Hello and welcome back to the Relationship Matters podcast. We believe relationship matters from humanity to nature to the larger whole. I'm your host, Katie Churchman, and in this episode, I welcome back CRR Global faculty member Yuri Murakawa to talk about toxic positivity. Across this conversation, we discuss can too much positivity ever really be considered toxic? The difference between useful positivity and toxic positivity. What becomes marginalised when a system is overly biased towards positivity? And how we can become more aware of this pattern of behaviour in ourselves and the systems that we work with. So without further ado, I bring you Yuri Murakawa talking about toxic positivity. Welcome back to the Relationship Matters podcast. I'm always beaming when I have you on the show, so welcome. Thank you, Katie. This is always my excitement to be here. And at the same time, a little bit of nervousness because we don't know where we're going, but we know that something good will happen during our conversation. So that's something that I'm really looking forward to. Absolutely. The power of relationship. And today we're talking about toxic positivity. I guess I want to start by asking about your thoughts on this because there's so much research that points in the direction of positivity being positive. So can too much positivity ever really be considered a bad thing? What a great question, right? And that question directly hit who I am (laughs) and that really made me think that what is the impact of positivity on me? Because for me, positivity is one of my identity. I noticed that people think of me as ultra positive person and people acknowledge me as someone that I am a positive and empowering person. And I like those feedbacks. But at the same time, sometimes I notice that my positivity stops some kind of emotions or some types of being not to showing up, you know, because my very strong positivity probably tells people that positivity is a good thing and negativity is something that uh, we need to be, you know, be careful about. And it makes me think what even is positivity and what is negativity? And it seems quite clear sometimes in terms of our social conditioning what that is, but actually maybe our view of positivity is too narrow. What do you feel true positivity is? So true positivity is when, by the way, isn't it interesting that we name or we label some kind of emotions as positive yes. and some kind of emotion being negative, right? So over here, when we say what's positive, we name it like a, you know, happiness or being kind or be empowering and acknowledging those we call quote unquote positive. Is that right? Mm. Yeah, that's the same over here. Yes. Okay. So when I, when us answering to your question, I think when the positive positivity is when the emotional field are truly authentically positive, happy, acknowledging, empowering, why not being positive 
aren't great to really show and it's really honor that uh, how positive it is and what a something that we should proud and it's nice to proud and i think we know the the damage or the dangers of negativity or toxic negativity we could say particularly in our relationship systems that be couples or teams or organizations but what is toxic positivity i think it's the other way around of what i have just said but when the emotion have no lab labeling mm. right this is us who say what's good and what's bad so let's say anger jealousy fears uneasiness all are the emotion that's are authentically there but when we marginalize these emotions or when you reuse the positive energy or positive words or positive emotions to dismiss those emotions and when that happens uh, positivity becomes negative and toxic i found yeah i certainly have a bias towards that too i think for a lot of my life it's been unconscious and you mentioned before how people see you as a positive person and so often then what they bring to you is more in that space and i've had a few examples in my life where um people have brought me something and they've really wanted to ventilate and i've gone into inspiring or empowering and it's not what they needed they needed to be met where they were in that moment in their frustration or their jealousy or whatever it was and in some ways my positivity felt like it was sort of sweeping their emotions under the rug and dismissing them right sweeping it under the rug that's very english expression isn't it very <laughs> british or there's the other one where we'll put on a cup of tea and that's another way we ignore emotions um i think it stems no. from the war generations but it's still very pervasive over here in terms of how certain emotions are allowed and then others you don't talk about where is it coming from you said about it's connected to something like war out where that coming from i mean i believe and i haven't done too much research into this but just from my own experience with my grandparents that was this idea of sort of, sort of the stiff upper lip and because of the atrocities they dealt with in the wars uh, world war 1 and world war 2 there was a sort of let's not talk about it and get on with our lives and i think in some ways it was a protective mechanism certainly for my my grandparents but i think then that has continued on through generations and then certain emotions just aren't really allowed to come to the surface and then as we know that can be very damaging both on a personal level and also in our our wider systems thank you for sharing because i find it very inspiring to talk about it because i noted that i am japanese right so here in japan we have very very similar expression and very similar background we have an expression called washiden nidder which is Let's put the things in closet. And in Japan there is a expression called just show the outer face and hide the inner face. Oh wow. So outer face needs to be perfect and pretty and uh, positive. Yes. <laughs> Quote unquote positive all the time and kind and mild and sweet and soft and all that is the outer face. and let's keep it inside or let's keep it in a closet and those are the emotion that what we are talking about that's negative anger sadness being weak yeah and i think that 
a big part of that is inherited. I think we take on what we we learn from our environment, from our family systems and our social systems. And do you have a sense of where that stems from in Japan, that needing to sort of push those emotions into the closet, as you say? When you say World War II, one and two, I thought about it, but I think in Japan it comes way back. Okay. Japan have a still value the samurai spirit, right? Samurai being a warrior and being, you know, always be ready to go out and be grounded and strong. So weakness was not if dismissed and be strong and be brave and be kind to others and put yourself last and serve for others. That's kind of like a culture that uh, we value in a society. So along that line, these quote-unquote negative emotions have no place to show up. Mm. I'm wondering then what what we feel is the the damage then that comes from not allowing these emotions to show up, whether that be in our families or in our work systems. Well, I noticed that, well, it's my story, but when we, you know, my my husband and myself, when we, when we come together, both of us are coming from the family that the negative emotions were dismissing, dismissed. Mm. It wasn't allowed or it was even uh, marginalized and also criticized. You know, being weak or being a complainer or, you know, being always negative or be sad or complain about others. Those were the bad things. Don't do that. Be positive and be be responsible. So both of us, both my husband and both myself, both brought that culture so what was challenging was that we had such a challenging time to connect deeply emotionally. You know, I think we kept our relationship quite superficial at the first several years. That's interesting. And then what enabled you or what provoked that deepening then in your relationship? Was it just due to time or, or was something occurring that enabled you to, to go deeper together? Well, one of the biggest time was when we had a, our daughter. Children have all the emotions, right? <laughs> Babies cry when, you know, he or she's sad or angry or comfortable. And, you know, they are sweet when they're, you know, happy, but they're like a, uh, another creature <laughs> when they're angry and sad. So when both of us as a parent meeting with the baby and how to deal with this crying baby, <laughs> we needed to be creative and even we tried to pamper, make her happy and happy, you know, giving her something nice. But there are some moments that she's just unhappy and need to cry. And so being a parent really grew us up and trained us as, you know, we are the human beings who have both emotions. Yeah, that's such a great example, because I do think, and when I think about my childhood, um, it wasn't that negative emotions weren't allowed but um 
it was that you quickly wanted to change them into so so called positive emotions, uh-huh. and there was almost that fixing spirit. I noticed my mum on Christmas; she always tries so hard to make it such an amazing day that it, it can be quite stressful actually. So there's so much focus on positive that then she can find herself quite stressed. And I think that's something that many of us deal with, that actually we're so focused on turning things into positive that we don't allow that that emotion of frustration or anger or whatever it is to just ventilate for a moment. And as you say with the baby, the baby cries until it needs to finish crying. <laughs> you can't just say, okay, right. we're done now, moving on. <laughs> and that must have been such a learning curve, I'm sure. Yeah. And another point of my life was really start learning about coaching because this profession is meeting with all the emotions. And I had such a challenging time really meeting and really turning toward the negative emotions when client brings or even myself feeling stressed or my feel as, you know, sadness or challenging time. And how can I manage my time, manage my emotions? When for me that time, you know, self-management was dismissing my emotions or disapproving my emotions. Oh, yeah, you're positive. Be happy. You know, your client is coming in five minutes. Smile. Yes. <laughs> I, I think I've mentioned this on another podcast, but I am... Um, I didn't realize for years that I, I had a default of a smiling face. And I think my face naturally smiles, but there'd be something really sad going on in a in a meeting say and I'd still be there smiling and it was only when someone reflected that back to me I had no idea but it was this autopilot expression that I almost painted on and didn't realize that that was having an impact on the emotional field right oh I have exactly the same (laughs) thing pattern isn't that interesting it is and some people think well how wonderful to smile all the time but yeah it's not always helpful because if someone's going through something really bad and you're automatically smiling it can be quite um I'm sure it doesn't feel very comforting for them actually to not have someone accept what they're feeling yeah and that really uh, stops us to deeply emotionally connect to each other yeah right it all becomes false sugar-coated superficial relationship yeah and I guess then I'm wondering what becomes marginalized when a system is overly biased towards positivity so when there's toxic positivity in a system what becomes marginalized or missed out well the authentic moment of truth it is like a huge signal of ourselves individually but also in the relationship and sometimes it it's such an opportunity for us to deeply connect emotionally. But once that's covered up by the positive emotions and being dismissed, it's almost like a dual close. And we miss the opportunity to connect deeply and understanding each other and be able to really uh, share who you are and who I am. So that's one of the the hate's had thing. Mm. It's uh, such an opportunity loss. Yes. Of our, yeah, our emotions come together and meet. Absolutely. And I feel as well, there's that lost ventilation as well. And obviously, I think ventilation can be quite skillful or unskillful. And particularly, say, with my husband, after a stressful day at work, we'll ask for five minutes to ventilate. So it's not 
five hours of ventilation that takes over the whole evening. It's a time boxed amount of ventilation. But I, I find that to be quite a cathartic experience for both of us. And the other person, they're not trying to fix. They're not trying to make it okay. They're just holding space. And that's a big shift from how, at least I used to show up in those conversations a few years ago. I'd try and fix them and they'd go on. And and that's unskillful. But it's interesting how frustration, when held in a way like that, can be actually quite a positive experience because then it allows for the, the steam to come off a little bit. Right. And it's almost like a melting pot, right? It, we melt in the stew pot, all the good, good, good ingredients come together and talk about it and sharing together. And that comes out as a new relationship. Mm. Yeah. I guess as well, when we don't allow for all of these emotions, do you feel that we limit sort of our range as human beings, what we're allowed to feel? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's really one of the lesson one oh one of coaching, right? When you dismiss the you know negative feeling, and which means like our life pulse becomes flat. And I really talk that, and I really experience it through my relationship with my husband, and also my life itself. And that really helped who I am as a parent. What helped you? Yuri, you mentioned becoming a parent, becoming a coach. What helped you to embrace more of these emotions, particularly in yourself, in that system of me? I think I talked in the other podcast that I learned all the lessons about the relationship and about the system is from my relationship with my husband. That's brilliant. Yeah. When I, I'm, I'm looking back at the uh, almost like 10 years ago, when my husband and I started really looking at who we are together, especially when our daughter became independent and left us, and two of us started to live together, and without child, who was connecting our relationship. So our role of parenting was almost like coming to the end, and we were graduating from parenting and becoming a real couple. And I, we were at the age of mid-40s. And that time, we realized that, oh my goodness, our emotions toward each other as men and women is becoming flat. And one of the reasons was both of us were hard workers. And we spent so much time for parenting for our daughter. And we took such a little time to really be authentic toward each other. And when we realized both of us had a frustration for each other, but we didn't talk about all these, our quote-unquote negative emotion. I obviously had anger toward him that I, I thought that I was you know, doing more and uh, serving more. And she exactly felt the same way. And she had an anger and she had disappointment toward me. But we didn't, we never talk about it because we wanted to be efficient, right? We wanted to be, we were master of logistics and we tried to be efficient and we tried to be uh, convenient and we try not to bother each other, but being productive, even at home. So when our daughter was gone, 
and we realized that uh, we had good time just to talk about how we feel for each other and we, if we still want to be together. And that was the beginning of our hard conversation, but the learning process. What a beautiful example. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sure it resonates with so many people listening because I think those different life stages, they do change us and probably different emotions arise. And what was positive before will look different now. You're in a sort of secondary and that's becoming your primary. It's why I, I recommend couples coaching to everyone who's going through a big life transition, whether that's getting married, having kids, um, becoming empty nesters, because it's not that you're suggesting that something's necessarily going to go wrong, but it's it's planning together. It's being action orientated. And I found it to be so powerful in my life. Um, my husband and I are currently working with a couples coach, um, preparing for our twins. It's amazing because so much will show up. I've never experienced my husband as a parent and he's never experienced me as a parent. And so different parts of us will show up. And I think it's so useful to have those conversations because we assume, I think, often in our intimate relationships that they think the same as we do. And then suddenly there's all this other stuff under the surface. And was your experience, as soon as that came up to the surface, that it sort of allowed a different kind of emotional field to emerge in your relationship? Yeah, that's right. And you exactly uh, what you said about both of us bring the different culture and different family background, right? And as a moment really uh, learned that who he is and also who I am and what is the emotional history or emotional culture that I inherited from my parents who have different generation, you know, and for example, like my grandparents' age, they were in the World War II, and they definitely, they needed to be show the positivity in order to survive their daily lives. And that was an influence toward my parents' generation. And unconsciously, they bring that to their family, which where I brought up. And so what I learned so much was the culture that all the lineage of the people in my ancestors. When I realized that, I realized that, okay, so now, who do I want to be? How I want to create relationship with my husband who have very different family history and with a good reason over how he was brought up. And that that's so powerful, isn't it? Finding out sort of actually what's really going on for you and actually then how you want to express that. Because I think this journey around toxic positivity or moving away from toxic positivity, we might say, it starts with the self. What am I marginalizing within me? And I think for me, a really powerful moment was years ago when someone said to me, wow, you seem sad. And it's such a simple thing, isn't it? But it's, it's beautiful to have that reflected back because so often I think we either ignore or dismiss or try and fix and to just have someone be a mirror and I, I think as a coach that's such a powerful tool just to say I'm sensing some frustration or it seems like this annoys you and that in itself can just change something in the emotional field of that system. And isn't it interesting that what we call negative emotions they are so powerful 
Yeah. Yeah. Anger, jealousy. Those are the amazing energy. That it's such a pure energy. And once we have we know how to work with it or how to be with it, and waiting for that to transform to the longings and dreams. And that is a direct power to create something new. So you're answering to your question, the last question, like what do we miss because of the toxic positivity? It's like this pure energy of the other side of the emotions. You're right. And they're just signals that something is trying to happen. And if we don't put them in those categories or link them to certain stories about what that means, then we can hold them in that neutral way. Not always easy to do, but it allows for that energy to really emerge and evolve in the way it needs to. When you were saying about it being forces for energy, it made me think about all of our films and books. They're all based on these so-called negative emotions. If we had a book filled with toxic positivity, it'd be so boring. I know. <laughs> Who wants to read that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's fascinating, isn't it? So true. It is. Yeah. So those are the energy that have a creative power and connection, connecting power. Yeah. Right. Well, this is yeah. the stuff of our lives. And yet it's weird how we, we want to marginalize it for ourselves, for our kids, for our team members. It's, it's almost like, no, no, that's not allowed. But yet yeah. when we're watching something on TV, we want those. We we find them fascinating. <laughs> yes. And to all people meet with it how people go through it and how people create because of that, you know, from that. Yeah, they are fuels for something else, for change. I'm wondering about in terms of as a systems coach, how do you become aware of when you're leaning towards, well, toxic positivity or being biased towards positivity? Because I know we want to have the ratio of five to one, five positive to every one negative interaction and... We can take that too far, as we've been mentioning. So how do you become aware of that when you're coaching? Well, one of the uh, one of the things is that our customers, our clients are paying us because they want to face the real authentic energy in the team, how to create from that. Mm. So uh, basically, you know, I mostly work with the, you know, Japanese client, and also the global team in Japan. And their challenges is that, what is the real voice in the team? And usually they are all sugar-coated by the nice smiley face. No problem. Everything goes well. But of course not. So, by the way, I'm saying this because I have met many, many failures, you know, all nice and smiley and happy, happy, team building activity. Yes. But not the real voice. It's not coming coming up. And at the end, it's disappointing. People think that, yeah, we know this. We know this in our surface smiles. But we know that there's a real voice underneath. So with those feedback that I really noticing and we I realized that this is actually my work, our work as a systems coach. Yeah. To really meeting with the smiley face and underneath, that's a real treasure. It's waiting for us. And let's go there and let's find out and let's 
find out what is possible for this team with those the real full of the authentic wholeness of the team. Well, I love that you described it as the treasure underneath, because I think many of us get so fearful of what lives underneath that we don't look at all. And yet then so often we hear the rumblings under the surface through gossip or other channels and it's there and it shows up in different ways and perhaps unskillful ways in fact and so whether we reveal it or not it's going to show up in some way shape or form it's just one could be held in a container of a coaching setting and the other might be that it, it comes out when people are moaning about their manager around the water cooler or and I think we mentioned this offline, it can show up physically for some people. Yes, a lot of depressions and of course health conditions, once you really suppress those emotions, and especially the longer the time that when you suppress all those, what unquote, negative emotions and coating by the false harmony or false positivity, and that is quite harmful. Mm, yeah. What I noticed is there's a lot of business person that has such a hard time to connect to their EQs, you know, their real emotions. And that really suppressed their aliveness of their as a human beings and also not being able to touch, connect with their team members as a leader. And yeah, and that also leads to the uh false psychological safety yeah well i think it's important that we we talk to that the fact that suicide and other mental health challenges are on the rise and maybe that's in part because we're not allowing certain things in our maybe personal systems but also in our cultural systems too i have a friend who who lost her partner to suicide and she said afterwards she lost so many friends because people just wouldn't talk to her and it wasn't because they, they didn't like her anymore. It was because they just didn't know what to say. And so they didn't say anything at all. And maybe they'd turn away if they saw her in the street and things like that. And I think that talks to the fact that we're just not great, actually. And I'm broadly holding sort of culture, but I think in general, we are so positively biased that we don't right. hold stuff, the stuff of life for other people sometimes or for ourselves. And um, certain SMS. They are just filled with happy and smiley and be positive. And certain, you know, media of the SNS that it comes like whole bowls of negativity or the gossips are almost like a violence. The verbal violence are there. And this really leads to the suicide, or especially in Japan, that uh, the suicide, the reason but behind the suicide, it's a gossip on the SNS and uh, people cannot handle it. Well, it makes me think about, I can't remember the term, but when everything turns into its opposite and it seems like if we go too far in terms of positivity, it does turn into something quite negative or destructive. And actually, in the same way, if we turn to these so-called negative emotions or parts of life, they can then become a positive experience or create positive change. That's right. Yeah, it's really interesting thinking about what we allow and what we don't allow and actually how that shows up in both the way we parent, the way we're a partner and the way that we coach. 
What you said reminds me of the figure of yin and yang. Yes. Black and white. We need both. And if we don't have both, it seems that we end up with more of what we don't want anyway. One of the elder of Native American, he told me that, that uh, when we look at the moon, that don't just look at the shiny part. It's the wholeness of the moon that include the shadow of the moon. I love that. Look at the whole moon when you look at the moon. That's beautiful. So it's no which is good, no bad, and it's no bad and positive, and not either side is negative, but it's a whole. Mm. Well, when we think about our lives, it's the, it's the shades that make them so interesting and alive. If we didn't have the, the shadows, the dark moments, then the bright moments wouldn't be so bright. <laughs> That's right. So true. Because there's a shadow side, we can treasure the light side as well. So we need both. We do. And so I guess, what's a final thought for our listeners about holding the shadow and the light? I love the way you've put that, Yuri. How do we hold the shadow and our light and the light both for ourselves and our families and the people we work with better? Well, I'm speaking to my voice. Being with the shadow, it's not easy. Just like you said, it's scary because we cannot see and we don't know how long it's going to last and how long we need to, you know, walk this path of darkness and aloneness. But uh, the sun's rise in the morning. So we just simply trust the process, trust the system, trust that both are in our light and starting from ourselves. Starting from my own, starting from your own. We don't need to rush to really saving the whole shadow of the world, but really meeting with my own shadow, meeting my own quote-unquote negativity and embrace it and love it and be curious and what's the creative energy awaiting to emerge. Beautiful. And I love the... The metaphors from nature with the sun rising and the sun setting and trusting that it will. And it's not easy, right? Again, oh, it's not it's easy. Not, it's not at all. <laughs> and this is our work. This is our world work, in fact. I know, it is. So let's keep us communicating about quote-unquote negativity and positivity. We need both. Thank you so much, Yuri, as always, for sharing your wisdom and your light on the show. Take care. Thank you so much, Katie. Always joy to chat with you and looking forward to uh, another opportunity that we can share like this. A huge thanks as always to Yuri Murakawa for sharing her light and her wisdom on the show. Here are my key takeaways. When the emotional field is authentically positive, it can be a great ally for the relationship system. However, when positivity becomes forced or pushed, and certain emotions become marginalized, positivity can become negative and unhelpful. Emotions are sources of energy and they're neither good or bad, positive or negative. Notice which emotions you marginalize and label as negative or bad. How can you hold these emotions in a more neutral and curious way? So-called negative emotions can be a source of energy and creativity. 
How can you use these emotions as a positive force for change? As systems coaches, our job is to help our clients face the real, authentic emotions present within a team. To meet the system where it is at by being curious about what is the real voice of the team? What's really going on beneath the surface? Working with marginalized emotions starts with the self. How can you meet your own shadow and embrace it so that its creative energy can emerge? For over 20 years, CRR Global has accompanied leaders, teams, and practitioners on their journey to build stronger relationships by focusing on the relationship itself, not only the individuals occupying it. This leads to a community of change makers around the world. Supported by a global network of faculty and partners, we connect, inspire, and equip change agents to shift systems one relationship at a time. CRR Global's unshakable belief is that relationship matters from humanity to nature to the larger whole. For more information, please visit crrglobal.com.